0: Your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google podcast. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reaper with Fox 56, along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. If you listen to Locked On Kentucky on a regular basis, You're going to get info on the Cats that you won't get anywhere else. Today we're going to start with UK football and the big win over Vanderbilt. And then we'll get into basketball recruiting. Some huge news over the weekend, Friday and Saturday, for John Calipari's class. And then John Calipari spoke on Sunday, uh, playing their first game on Monday against Utah Valley since that upset loss to Evansville. So we will discuss what Calipari talked about. Uh, But first, let's get into football. Good evening, Kyle, as we record this on Sunday night.
0: Good How evening. How has your weekend been? It's been good. It's been really good. Didn't uh, I didn't have a terrible amount of work to do. I watched a lot of football, hung out with the family, took Christmas pictures. Uh, yeah. You know, getting in the spirit. It's all, all good.
1: Well, I just finished doing Out of Bounds on Fox 56. Sunday night's at 1030, by the way. Uh, and so by doing that show, we have a couple segments where it's just content from kind of around mostly college football so I always say it's my job to watch as much football on Saturday as possible in order to to do the show justice in order to get you know the content that's out there for everyone I really need to be watching football from noon till past midnight on Saturday
0: yeah I mean I think that's it's what are you gonna do it's a tough job but somebody's got to do it exactly
1: absolutely I mean, well, gosh, it was a fun weekend, too. Two unbeatens went down. But we're yeah. not here to talk about Baylor and um, and Minnesota. We're here to talk about that big win over Vanderbilt.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it was, you know, I, I was laughing the whole way and kind of texting you uh, after a really rocky start for Kentucky. They got down 14-3 to three. from <laughs> that point forward, and really that was, you know, it was a fumble return for like 69 yards for a touchdown, one bad defensive series. Otherwise, Kentucky basically – just comp- after the first, what, five minutes of the game, basically, dominated Vanderbilt. Um, yeah. It was, uh, in fact, let's see, let me check real quick. Super um,
1: one-sided.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, so Vanderbilt um, Vanderbilt was up 14-3, uh, 10 minutes into the game.
1: Yeah. So
0: for the final uh, 50 minutes... Of the game, <laughs> for the final fifty minutes of the game, Kentucky outscored them thirty-eight to uh, thirty-five to zero. Um, and you know, I think so,
1: only allowed like a hundred and twenty-three yards after that.
0: Yeah, I mean, like in, that was
1: it because Vanderbilt had one nice drive.
0: Yeah, yeah in total, Vanderbilt had one hundred and ninety-eight yards for the day. Right. Um, yeah, and the scoring drive, the the one touchdown drive for Vanderbilt, uh, was seventy-five yards. So right. You take away their basically their opening or their first scoring drive from that for, from that point forward, they got a defensive touchdown, uh, and the rest of the way was uh, they had about a hundred and twenty yards of offense. Right, uh, and Kentucky and Kentucky just piled it on from that point forward, and really they were driving. Uh, they 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 drove even when things didn't go well. Like the opening drive of the game, they they drove down the field and then, then stalled out in the red zone, kicked a field goal. And then they were driving, and when they had the fumble, they were they were deep in Vanderbilt's end when they fumbled it, and it was returned for a touchdown. Uh, and so I, you know, there was no question they were going to be able to move the ball. Uh, and then once they stopped making mistakes, it was just uh, you know a total beatdown. I mean, I would think the final nail in Derek Mason's coffin. They're they're two and eight now the thing I was saying, I was laughing about and and texting you about was like, they were everything we kind of joked about on the podcast Friday, you know, doing our over unders. And I kept like making the joke, like in reference that Vanderbilt sucks at everything. I mean, they, they are really bad at everything. Um,
1: and I thought though, even though knowing that I thought after the 14, three lead of like, this is exactly what this Vanderbilt team needs. They need just a little bit of life a little something to play for that all of a sudden wakes up and go, come on, come on, guys, we can win this game. Yeah. And then Kentucky goes, no, you are no match. Yeah. You're, just, you're, you're <laughs> as bad as, as they say they are, as the numbers say you are.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, like, where Kentucky is strong is where they're particularly weak, um, you know, running the football. I mean, what's Kentucky done? That's, that's all they focused on for over a month now, for a month and a half is just run the football. Uh, And so, you know, they did try to throw a little bit more, and they did successfully. Lynn Bowden was 8 of 10 for 104 yards. The two incompletions were deep balls that they tried, and those, I think they should just take those out of the playbook at this point. Yeah. But But everything else worked, you know, the short intermediate stuff. 8 of 10, 104 yards, a touchdown, and then he ran for another 110 yards and a touchdown, sort of cementing himself as a Kentucky legend, I think, at this point. Uh, Without a doubt, you know yeah. over over seven hundred yards rushing in five games as Kentucky's quarterback, and all, you know he's gonna he's really very much on track to get to a thousand yard rushing for the season. He's at eight twenty two overall rushing. Um, yeah, one hundred and
1: seventy eight yards is all he needs over the next two games, and he's there.
0: And plus a bowl game. I mean, really three games, right? So. And that's the other thing about this. This gets them to five and five. They still have UT Martin next. So they're obviously going to go to a bowl game, barring a total disaster. Uh, and if they beat Louisville, then they'll have a chance to, to go to a bowl and be in, win eight games for the second consecutive season, at least eight, uh, which hasn't been done since Rich, Rich Brooks did it and uh, had, had not been done at all before Rich Brooks since uh, 1984. Uh so, you know, if they get to eight wins this year, there'd be four eight-win seasons in Kentucky's last 34 years uh, of football, <laughs> yeah. and uh, two of those will be Mark Stoops. So that would be impressive. But, uh, but the th- you know, one thing I wanted to run down real quick on Len Bowden, then we can move on to some of the other parts of that game. He's now seventh in the SEC in rushing. <laughs> Fourth in the SEC in yards from scrimmage and first in the SEC in all-purpose yards with one thousand four hundred and twenty-three, which is rushing, receiving, and returning. It doesn't count uh, passing yards, um, but if you throw in the passing yards, I think he's over three hundred now in passing. So he's he's accounted for you know seventeen hundred yards this season for Kentucky. That's a lot. <laughs> it is. He's really he's really good for a little and for a little dude to take the beating he takes every every week is just. Kind of an incredible.
1: Yeah, he gets up and does not complain at all. It, it like he loves it. Like he's built for this kind of thing. But you know, you were talking about you know four, eight win seasons in the last thirty four years. One of the post game notes was Kentucky has a sixteen and sixteen record in the SEC over the past four years, and that's the first time since 1953 through 56 the kentuckys won at least half of their conference games over a four year stretch wow So that's, I, yeah, yeah that's that's <laughs> strong that is a strong yeah. case for mark stoops but
0: yeah and they'd be you know one yard and they'd be over 500 you know i eight, mean we, exactly. when, you, when you think about all the close calls in league play uh you've had what three just i'm talking just the stoops era you've had the triple overtime no uh no uh, play clock. Play clock called. They, they could have won against Florida. Florida. Yep. The the two, now two, last two home games against Florida where they were up double digits in the fourth quarter and lost. The Tennessee game that just happened where they get one yard and they win. Uh, the Ole Miss game where they were up uh, two years ago where they were up double digits in the fourth quarter and, and didn't get it. I mean, they could be – five-plus games, six games over five hundred in that four-year span. They're that Yeah, close. you throw a Vanderbilt
1: game in there where they also didn't cover a receiver and let that oh, yeah. one get away. I mean, Yeah,
0: I mean, like, he, the bottom line is they, they could have won a little more, but they have been – Stoops has made them as competitive as they've ever been, basically, uh, in the league.
1: I think maybe one of the most important parts of that game – was when there was about 45 seconds left in the first half. Kentucky's got the ball at the 25-yard line. It's clear that they cannot run the ball and get into the end zone, that they're either going to have to kick a field goal or they're going to have to throw the ball. And they went ahead and and went two-minute offense with Lynn Bowden, and he completed three consecutive passes, the last one being that tip to Josh Ali in the end zone for a touchdown.
0: And I think that was after he had converted a third-down run uh right. too. I think he was it was that drive was all him.
1: And so the reason I think that's really important is because if you remember the last game, uh Stoops said afterward that he was kicking himself for allowing Bowden to throw the pass to Justin Rigg that got intercepted. Right. Because they were moving the ball and, and he's like, I should have just stuck with the run. Because that's Stoops' go-to. That's you know, that's yeah. that's his mentality. And by letting Len Bowden throw the ball. And a guy who doesn't throw the ball a lot, he didn't make a good throw. It killed him. And so for Bowden to show him, to show Stoops, that if you let Eddie Grant and them call these plays, and I execute them, then you can do it more often. And they did eight of ten. Now the deep ball again, you, you got to get rid of that. That's not working. That's just a wasted play at this point. I and mean, they can say what they want about what he throws in practice. It's, it's not going well. But Bowden said. Like after that Tennessee game, he was asked about, you know, are there some throws there that are not being called that you would like to make? And Bowden snaps. He's like, I, I don't point fingers. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. If you can ask those kind of questions, we can end this right now. But then Saturday night after the game, he's asked about that two-minute offense. And he says, if we would do more of that, I think we could be one of the best teams in the country, period. So, Bowden believes in his ability to throw the ball more, and I think he wants to, and I believe that Stoops is just saying, we're doing just fine running the ball when we have to throw it in predictable pass. That was Stoops' comment afterward, in predictable pass. It was important to see that we were able to execute in that situation, and that's going to give him confidence in Grand calling those plays and Bowden being able to do it because you know they want to do more of it, and Stoops is saying, hold on. Let's be conservative and just yeah. try to win this thing.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's big. And, and I, you know, I think we were going to shift gears in the second segment, but I think there's still more to talk about on football. So we'll, we'll dive into the, the rest of the, uh, the stuff that stood out to us from the Vanderbilt game and talk a little basketball recruiting in this uh, next segment. Let's, let's pause for station identification, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, and we'll come right back to it.
1: To be continued on Locked on Kentucky.
0: Are Locked on Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast.
1: Okay, so we were talking about football and we ended there with, you know, Lynn Bowden there. I think one other point, I don't know what other points you wanted to make, but just quickly, uh, I think it's important to note that this defense, after, you know, through 10 games, is ranked second in the SEC in passing defense and seventh in total defense on a defense that lost Josh Allen and its top six or seven defensive backs when you count the Devonte Robinson injury
0: yeah I mean it's uh, the Kentucky de- the Kentucky defense has been really impressive that was the fifth consecutive game the Kentuckys allowed 21 points or fewer uh, and we've talked too about the you know the crazy long streak it's like 24 25 games now where they've allowed 34 points or fewer um,
1: longest active streak in the country yeah 24.
0: Yeah, and they're you know they're top they're now top thirty I think they're thirtieth in total defense in the country. Uh, They are. uh, They've also allowed twenty second. Go ahead.
1: They've also allowed three hundred and five yards total yards or less to five consecutive SEC opponents for the first time since nineteen seventy seven.
0: That's crazy too, and that's the other. Here is the other thing I would say about that: it's not just about the defense; it's about the style of offense. Because for the second straight game. Kentucky just dominated time of possession by getting the ball and never letting it go. Um, you know, they had uh, the, the obviously frustrated people that they lost the game against Tennessee while having 42 minutes' time of possession. Uh, but then they did it again against Vanderbilt, 39 minutes they held the ball. So the last two games, 42 and 39 minutes, just dominating time of possession, 528 yards, 401 rushing yards. They've run for over 700 yards the last two weeks. Uh, you know, and, and that's the thing, too. My other point I wanted to make was they were five yards away from having three 100-yard rushers in one yeah. game. Uh, and it was really balanced. Rodriguez, 15 for 129 and two touchdowns, and he's been a revelation. I mean, he's he's, yeah. their, he's their new Benny Snell. I mean, will he be a superstar? I don't know. But when they, when they need the hard yards, I mean, he had a play – he had one third down play where he just absolutely it was, it was a huge one in the game that kind of uh, helped them to, to keep the momentum. And he, I think he broke three or four tackles. Um, yeah, you know to get there. That's what they've been missing. We talked about that last week. Um, but he had 15 for 129. Lynn had 17 for 110. And Smoke had 15 for 95. All three of them scored touchdowns. If A.J. Rose doesn't fumble, he probably goes over 100. He, he had 67 yards and yeah. four carries before he fumbled. Um, I mean, just a dominant performance on the ground. Again, Vanderbilt sucks. They're really bad. Their defense stinks. But Kentucky Kentucky very much took care of business. And we've seen how many times in the past you know Kentucky football eras, when people, whenever people now dismiss like quality of opponent, I just point to all the times that they played crappy teams and lost, or played crappy teams and barely <laughs> right. won in yeah. the past. You know, they 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 beat for the for the most part they beat the teams they're supposed to beat now, and, and often beat them badly. So, um, pretty impressive. But the the defense too nationally now twenty second nationally in scoring uh, defense and. Ninth nationally in pass defense, so they are ninth in ninth, ninth in passing defense, twenty second in total deep in scoring defense, and thirtieth in total defense. in a in a year where they basically got gutted, <laughs> yeah. that that to me right. is is if you can lose, I think ended up being what five or six different guys that were either drafted or signed NFL contracts from one defense. Yeah, and then suffer some ma- you know, a couple major injuries in the secondary. Um, uh, that part of it's been, I think, between doing that, adjusting to that as a defensive staff, and then finding a way to win with a wide receiver at quarterback as an offensive staff. I, maybe we really have underrated the job that this coaching staff has done.
1: I think we have because it's. I mean, it's easy to hear a lot of the complaints and stuff, and I do hear it about the passing game, and I understand it and. I know, you know, fans that are, that are friends of mine that, that are just like why aren't they playing Sawyer Smith and I and somebody tweeted at me this week like this should be a game that they put Sawyer Smith in and get him reps and get him ready for that Louisville game cuz we can't beat Louisville with with this offense. And I'm saying look, what they have done is just truly remarkable. I look, he had to do it when Drew Barker went down, Eddie Grand did, changed the offense and they won the way they did with Steven Johnson back there at quarterback. It was he's a rag doll. I mean, he yep. it's surprising that he survived.
0: He and barely then, did. I mean, yeah. I think he could hardly move and had to be sewn back together after his his time as Kentucky's quarterback was done.
1: And to put up these kind of numbers against Arkansas, Georgia, Missouri, Tennessee, now Vanderbilt when everybody knows what's coming, yeah, I, you have to hand it to him. I think it is an underrated uh, job that they've done when you when you've put together both offensively how they're gonna do enough to win enough games to get to a bowl game and then how the defense has come along and become as solid as it has there's no doubt about it yeah. so for people who get frustrated with stoops you just you need to look at the overall picture here and how hard it is to win at Kentucky historically anyway yep this is going really, really well. You should pay Stoops whatever he needs yeah. to keep him from going to Florida well, State.
0: That and when you think about, like, okay, how good is this defense this year? These guys are all young. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they're going to have all that back, I believe they uh, they, they think Terry Wilson is on a good schedule from the people I've talked to. Uh, I think they think Terry's going to be back and be healthy uh, and be your guy next year and you'll have a real quarterback again. <laughs> Uh, you know, they clearly have a couple really good young running backs. I mean, people should – I think people – if you want a reason to get excited as a Kentucky football fan, look at Chris Rodriguez and, and Smoke. And Smoke. I mean, because they're both going to be back next year. They're both And they looked know. better
1: to me in that Vanderbilt game. They did some things. The Stoops even commented afterward. But some of those runs, the run you alluded to with Rodriguez, where he is not only powerful, but like his balance and agility – uh, yeah. To get those yards and smoke as well, he's got power also with that breakaway speed. Uh, and Stoop said, I saw some things from them in that game that I hadn't seen yet this year. So you think about that, plus all these guys who are playing on the defense who are young, plus they're about to maybe have their best recruiting class as far as like rankings and number of uh, four star guys and all that stuff that they've had yet. So you add that to it, and
0: yeah. That, Yeah, I mean, when you think about futures bright, when you think about those two young backs going combining thirty carries for two hundred and twenty-four yards and three touchdowns, (laughs) you know, like they get overshadowed a little bit by Lynn Bowden, but that's that's a very very encouraging day. Um, Speaking of encouraging for the future, we'll we'll wrap this segment up uh, quickly talking about the big basketball recruiting news that happened. It's weird, the cycle of us doing this Monday through Friday, but really recording our last episode on Thursday for Friday morning, uh, stuff that goes on Friday through Sunday, we have a, so much stuff to talk about and <laughs> so much crazy stuff happened for Kentucky in uh, in those in, for, on Friday and Saturday. So Friday, John, uh, um, Devin Askew, who everybody kind of has known was going to reclassify at some point and come from 2020 into 2021 and be part of this class. He had been kind of saying, I haven't, I haven't decided. I mean, his, all his people and, and Devin himself, you know, we're going to wait till the high school season's over and decide in the spring what we're going to do. Everybody knew what he was already going to do, uh, but it, it looked like we weren't going to get any official word for several months. And then kind of as a total surprise, Kentucky just up and says, welcome, Devin Askew. <laughs> and uh, he, so I called him and I got him on the phone. I have a story up on The Athletic. Um, uh, about, you know, what happened. And he's like, well, I, I just realized this is what I want to do. Why am I waiting? Um, hmm. You know, and I think part of it, too, was wanting to help be a Pied Piper for this class. It's a loaded class. Yeah. It, it, as soon as he reclassified, putting him officially into the 2020 rankings, that gave Kentucky another five-star player, another top 20, 25-ish player, um, and moved them to the number one class in the country. Um, and he said, you know, all we need is some big men. And he gave me the list of guys that they're, you know, trying to get Cliff Amarui uh, up, up in Jersey, uh, Isaiah Jackson out of Michigan, and the big fish, Greg Brown, top 10 player uh, out of Texas. And he's really close with Greg Brown and, and said, basically, I'm selling him on, you know, what are your goals? Because if you want to be a pro, this is the place to do it. Um, yeah. But then the next day, uh, another guy from that list, Isaiah Jackson, who had been thought to to have kind of moved on from Kentucky and been an Alabama lean, uh, in a bit of a surprise, picks Kentucky. Uh, and so now Kentucky is hands down the number one recruiting class. They have six players. They're all ranked in the top 50. Four of them are five-star guys. Uh, two of them are top ten players. They've got a point guard, two shooting guards, a small forward, and a two power forwards. They've basically got a starting five and a six man, even if nobody yeah. came back. Um, and they're not done. They're going to still try to get Greg Brown. I could still see him adding a, um, a graduate transfer, big man. Uh, very good weekend for Kentucky basketball for the future. They're loaded and, and they're going to go get at least one more, I think, really big fish. Now, that's the thing. When you sign six guys in the early period, which Cal Perry's never done, signed, sealed Delivered not not just committed but done deals, then you can spend the next several months into the spring signing period, just going guns blazing for to get to try to get you know one more big fish. Yeah, and I, and I think they'll do that.
1: Yeah, a week that started that uh, with one of the worst losses in Kentucky basketball history <laughs> ends with uh, one of the best classes in Kentucky basketball history. Yeah, how
0: about that? That's a <laughs> nice little uh, recovery for them. And and in terms of the actual team. We can come back and uh, wrap this thing talking about what what does Kentucky basketball, the current group, do to shake off that horrific, (laughs) shocking loss at home to Evansville.
1: Yeah, they've had six days. They don't play again until Monday night at 7 o'clock, so they, they should be raring to go. We'll talk about that next when Locked on Kentucky continues.
0: This is Locked on Kentucky, your team every day.
1: Okay, so John Calipari said that he has uh, spent, what, a day and a half under the covers? And then he, yeah. he uh, revised that and said, no, just 24 hours. Uh, and then by now he said, now I'm grateful for it, uh, that hopefully we learn from it. And then he even went as far as to say, if you told me I had to take one loss, either Evansville or Michigan State, I'm probably picking uh, Evansville. I'll yeah. deal with that and beat Michigan State. So we'll be fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're th- if you're talking about Selection Sunday, assuming the wheels don't fall off from here, and like, what would you rather have? That Evansville would would the Evansville loss hurt you more than the Michigan State win will help you on Selection Sunday? You know, if Evansville turns out to be pretty good in their league and Kentucky gets it together, it's going to be more valuable that they were able to beat the number one team on a neutral court. Yeah, um, and so. You know, I mean, you don't want to lose either of those games. You you certainly don't want to lose at home to a much, I would say, inferior opponent. That's no insult meant to Evansville. It's just, I think, a fact if they played nine times or ten times, Kentucky would win the other nine, especially now that they've got their attention. If they played every day for the next month, I'm not sure Evansville would beat Kentucky again. (laughs) You know, but it was a perfect storm. But, you know, what to me, what was the most interesting thing that Cal said today is, they probably followed my lead. I thought yeah. we were going to win the game. I didn't think we would have that much of a struggle with those guys. And so they followed my lead. And it woke me up probably more than it woke them up. Yeah. That was an interesting admission. I don't feel like you hear a coach say that very often. We Like, not we, but I overlooked this opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of a surprise. But, you know. I think I think the general feeling in that building now is this is this will be this could very well end up being a good thing because, you know maybe they weren't as good as everybody thought and the coaching staff knew it after they beat number one maybe even the coaching staff was a little surprised they beat Michigan State, um, but it, how do you get through to young players when the first night of the season in Madison Square Garden Tyrese Maxey goes bonkers. And you know, and they yeah. beat, they beat a team like that. You know, how do you tell them you're you know we got to do this better because you're not good enough? They're like, yeah, we are. We beat the number one team in the country. Right. Losing at home to Evansville and having everybody mock you will bring you yeah. back back down to coachable. <laughs> so yeah.
1: Now will you go get an offensive rebound?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so uh, you know, I, I have a piece up as people are listening. It'll be up on the athletic where I kind of try to go through all that ails Kentucky or most of what's what's ailing them right now. Uh, I took a long look at Nate Sistina's defense. I used the uh, used the synergy. I think we talked about it on here last week. Yeah, Incredible right. resource that I have now to really kind of look at film. I mean, it, it was a problem. <laughs> he gave up a dozen points uh, on guys pulling him away from the basket and then driving right by him. Um, you know, another thing Cal Perry talked about today was the shooting. I mean, they've – They are currently 315th nationally in three-point percentage, 24.5%. And a lot of what he talked about was it's about not getting open looks. Like it's guys just trying to make a play for themselves, and they're taking contested threes. So I actually went back to that Evansville game. They they missed 13 of their 17 three-point tries in that game. Of the 13 misses, seven of them were bad, contested you know one-on-one watch what I can do type of plays yeah. They were not open shots uh and so you know the the film backs up what Cal's saying there are a lot of guys just holding the ball saying I'm gonna make something happen uh Khalil right. Whitney took a couple horrific shots contested shots that he had no business taking uh Maxie is prone to take some of those at times Ashton Hagen's took a couple of those so they're not really trusting and sharing each, with each other um You know, and then the last, I think the last kind of big fundamental issue, other than the injuries, which Cal said E.J. Montgomery probably still a month away. Oh, sorry, a week away. (laughs) A week away, sorry. Not a (laughs) month. And then more encouraging news, he said he thought Ashton Hagens would be healthier in this game, um, and that's important. But the the other big sort of got to fix this now issue is the rebounding, and particularly offensive rebounding. They are three hundred and I'm sorry, two hundred and twenty-fifth in offensive rebound percentage, and that is a staple for John Calipari teams being good at, at cleaning up the glass, offensive glass, and getting second chance points. Uh, in seven of the first ten years under Cal, they ranked in the uh, they ranked uh, in the top twenty um, in offensive rebound percentage, and six of those times they were twelfth or higher. In offensive rebound percentage, and now they're 225th, and they're just getting killed on the offensive glass. So there, yeah, he a, said
1: they ranked dead last in, uh, in out of Power Five schools.
0: Yeah, in yeah. offensive rebounding. Yeah, and his quote was basically that means you're not even trying. <laughs>
1: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: and I think that's you know that's pretty alarming, and it and it and it kind of highlights some of the issues they have in being a thin front court, much thinner with EJ out, with him out, they've only got two true post players. Um, so, you know, as they get ready to play Utah Valley on, uh, Monday night, I think all eyes will be on attitude, effort, you know, and the, and these kind of simple things. Will you share with each other and pass the ball until you get a good look and not take selfish contested shots? Will you just fight on the offensive glass and get, get rebounds? Um, those are things that I think everybody's going to be watching for and especially the, obviously the coaching step. And
1: it'll give them a chance to get that bad taste out of their mouths kind of like uh, what you had to do this afternoon after you drank that coke that oh was sitting up there God. on the podium.
0: <laughs> yeah I Eric Lindsay the sports information director I was making jokes about how I went and took a picture of, of the expired in October 2018 on the label because it's just a Coke Zero prop, obviously, all these schools are sponsored by Coke or Pepsi or whatever the product, and they put them out there on the podium, and it never changes. Nobody ever is actually drinking it, Uh, and Eric's like, why don't you take a swig? (laughs) And so I did, and everybody's like, I don't think you should do that. I don't know, as I was putting it to my lips, and I was like, I just thought it would be super flat, and it was that. I opened the top, and it was just like... <laughs> like it didn't, it didn't make a sound, <laughs> and uh, so I expected it to be just like the the really really flat soda, but it was what much worse than that. It was like, it was like sour Coke. I mean, it hit. Wow. It was like Coke gone bad. I, I didn't know they did that. I've never, you know, I've never had one that was well past its due date. It was. D-
1: I would just feel, yeah, it would just be flat and maybe just real sugary it was, tasty. It
0: was really gross. I had to, I didn't want to swallow it. I wouldn't spit it in a trash can. It was, I mean, it, was <laughs> it was, gross. And that, yes, that's what Kentucky's trying to do, get that, that sort of taste out of it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, I think that's a good place to end, don't you? I think so. We'll, uh, we'll come back and break down how it all ends up going on Monday night and whether or not it's time to fully press the panic button for everybody. I suspect they're going to get back on track.
1: Yeah, we'll have plenty to talk about from that Utah Valley game uh, when Locked On Kentucky comes to you tomorrow. You can follow me on Twitter at D R I E F F E R. And Kyle is at
0: Kyle Tucker underscore A T H.
1: I say tomorrow. I mean Tuesday. So, whatever. It's confusing when you record this tonight before. But yeah, Tuesday we'll talk about that Kentucky Utah Valley game. All right, thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>